Who knows anything about Bazaliel? What do you know about Bazaliel? Huh? About a holy ab. Oh, what can you guys tell me about a holy ab? Well, I'm glad you wouldn't have asked me that, that question either if I hadn't already done a little studying because I couldn't have told you either. Um, turn in your Bibles for a little while here to the book of Exodus, chapter 25. I'm going to read maybe the first nine verses is all of this passage um, just to give us a, a sneak preview into what this these next several chapters talk about in this story. Beginning at verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stone, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to the all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. This was the Lord God talking to Moses. Now, speaking of Moses, who was Moses? What can you tell me about Moses? Did you ever hear the name Moses? Of course. What's some of the highlights that you know about Moses? Young people, what do you know about Moses? Anything. Who was Moses? You don't have to be bashful. I just don't want you to fall asleep. Anyone here, tell us just some simple facts about Moses. God gave him the Ten Commandments. What else about Moses? He went through the Red Sea, huh? He, he was a murderer. Yes, he was. He went boating. He went boating at an early age. Yes, just an infant. His, he had a floating bassinet. Yes, he did. Spoke to a burning bush. Wow, there's a lot of facts about Moses. We know a lot about Moses. He was given quite the task, wasn't he? He he was in charge of several million people. He was quite a leader. And Moses is a pretty high figure in, in the Bible, and he's even a high figure in our minds, or at least in my mind. Moses, Moses is a big man in my mind, really. I have a lot of respect for him. Those other two guys, though, they, there, there wasn't much to them. Apparently, they really weren't worth much. 
I think you remember um, what our Sunday school lesson was about and was our discussion that I thought was wonderful and, and, a, and an excellent use of time discussing that of our gifts and, and that. If you would continue to read through the next chapters of Exodus from this point which we read, you would see here uh, that God gives Moses instructions on how to make the ark, the mercy seat, the cherubims, the table, the candlesticks, the curtains, the veil, the altar, the ephod, and the breastplate, and, and various of the garments that the priests would wear, and on and on. And he, and he gave this the, these commandments of the building of all of this stuff in great detail. And if you would read all through that when you get to the end, and, and, and I believe that when it was finished, it was just the way God wanted it. And we say, wow, look at what Moses did. Just, just to kind of fill us in on, though, on that, as you, as you skim through a couple of these, um, even, even in that same chapter, as, as he's talking about um, maybe the building of the ark, I believe it is first, just, just look at some of these verses, 12, 13, 14, 16, 17. It says, and thou shalt, and thou shalt, and thou shalt, and thou shalt do this, and thou shalt do this. He says to Moses. Wow, Moses had quite a task. And, and Moses gets a lot of credit. And I don't, I don't at all want to take any credit away from Moses. Not at all. He was, he was where the buck stopped with God. And yet, I want to look a little bit and start to realize that Moses didn't do this alone. And we know that. We know that Moses couldn't have done all this. But really, we need to, we need to, to understand that, that this working, this, this event, this was a great event, the building of all this. What, wouldn't this have been a magnificent thing to see? I mean, they didn't do this all this building and all this stuff, they didn't do it on, on computerized machines that they just programmed them in and then they went and sat down and had coffee while it built all this. This stuff was done manually and I believe it was some very, very good workmanship. And with the, the credit that Moses deserves for, for spearheading this project, I also want to look at the fact that there, there was some unnoticed service, not some, a lot of unnoticed service that went into this, this project. And that, I guess, would be the title of our, our message this afternoon, is unnoticed service. But if you start thumbing through these, these pages, in the beginning of chapter 26, moreover thou shalt, and you go on down through there, verse 20. Or chapter 27, thou shalt make an altar. 28, and, and take thou unto, unto the Aaron thy brother. I guess that one's a little different. But anyway, we, we have all these, these chapters worth of, of command, of conversation, communication between Moses and God. And God says, and this is the way you shall do it. And again, we can, we can kind of begin to, to say that Moses did all of this. But Moses had some help, and I want to uh, I want to go to chapter thirty-one and read a few verses here. 
Uh, maybe we'll read 11 verses, I think was where I wanted to read to. Uh, chapter 31. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones to set them, and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. You, did you catch that? that they may make all that I have commanded thee, the tabernacle of the congregation and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is thereupon and all the furniture of the tabernacle and the table of his furniture and the pure candlestick with all his furniture and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all his furniture and the laver and his foot and the clothes and the cloths of service and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to minister in the priest's office, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. There was a work. And, and you see, even these two men, they weren't the only ones. They had men under them. This, this undertaking I believe took many, many people. It took many hands. It took much input. And so many of them. We can say that, well, yeah, these two men, but Bezaliel and, and Aholiab, you know, they're only mentioned one time in here. I believe there were many, many workers in this project that aren't mentioned at all. And I think sometimes it can be that way in the church. And, and sometimes it's sad but it, it doesn't have to be. I, I just really appreciate the uh, the emphasis that's been put on by by a number of the brethren, even Mark, in, in the opening here, the the value of 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 a family working together. The illustration of the of the the cattle when or or, or an, a living body when it is dissembled, when it is dismembered. Here lays all the pieces, but nothing can be accomplished. And and I hope that we don't um, allow Satan, because I believe he is the instigator of of these feelings that that may sometimes arise in the family of God. That I'm just a piece that is that is useless. In in most organizations, it seems like um, that there there are a few select people that are in the spotlight. And, and I don't really think that's wrong. It's, it's just, you know, whether it's business, whether it's church, whether it's the home setting, there is, there's a, there's an order of, of management there. And I, I think you will find that in the, in the business world, you'll find it in the history of God's people. Um, you know, obviously Moses in, in the early um, part of the children of Israel, Moses was called to be a, a leader, and there's no question he was in the spotlight a lot. He was, he was God's 
uh, main man at that time in the leadership of, of his people. And uh, so it, it seems sometimes that so often what we may call the, the movers and the shakers of an organization seem to get all the credit. And, and those who many times are in the back trenches go unnoticed. And so uh, I, I want to encourage anyone here even today that if, if you are one of those people that feels a little bit like maybe you're in the trenches and, and, and you're not being used to, to your potential, I want, I want to challenge us uh, to, to, to not go there. And, and, and I understand it's the, it's the reality of our, of our human makeup. It, it can work that way. And, and it, takes, it, it takes commitment to Christ to be content, to, to labor and to, to bloom where we are planted. I want now to look at a story that uh, I came across in study a, a couple of weeks ago that I was thinking about. And so I want us to go to Jeremiah, um, the 38th chapter. This passage challenged me in, in, in this same area of thought unnoticed service or or you know the what we may call insignificant things and yet we find that there there really is value and you can find that in so in so many illustrations the 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 way an engine works is is fascinating to me especially a diesel engine the the way they the way they run so many parts in there and they move, and and I I drive a truck, and the truck that I'm driving right now, it's it's almost to turn over one and a half million miles. It's been overhauled one time, and and made sort of like new, you might say. But I wonder, in 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 a million miles, I it was overhauled at 1.2 million miles. It had never been opened up until it reached 1.2 million miles. And I just wonder how many times each one of those pistons went up and down in a million and two hundred thousand miles. And how all that works, it's it's incredible. And the whole fact that the way they fire, they're not like a gasoline motor that 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 a spark ignites the fuel in there. It's it's simply the compression, it compresses that fuel mixture so tight and the heat builds up so tight that it explodes. And and all these things work in conjunction with each other. One piston knows how to go up when the other one's going down because the crankshaft dictates that that's what's going to happen. That's amazing to me. And yet, even in, an, even in the illustration of an engine, there's so many parts in there that most of us, some of you might know, but I know I don't, and probably most of us don't even know those parts exist inside there. But if you took them out of there, something would go wrong with that engine. And a host of other um, examples could be given. This story here, a, a segment, I hope a, a small segment of the life of Jeremiah, because my heart goes out to Jeremiah in this, in this story. A man of God, I'll tell you, you know, the prophets, prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah, I think of primarily, you know, they're, they're pretty popular men too. But I can, I'll tell you right now, I have never 
had any jealousy or envy over the prophets of God. What a thankless job those men had, at least much of their lifetimes. And even Jeremiah, the the weeping prophet, it seemed like so often the prophet's job was to was to take to God's people a, a message of, of doom and judgment. If they don't change your ways, if you don't repent and come back to God, judgment is coming. It seemed like that was so often the message and the and the the work of the prophets. Jeremiah finds himself in a in a bad place here, and, and I really do not want to take much time here, but if you would read Jeremiah had already done a little bit of time in in prison, and here he had he had borne a message that was not well received. And so the king gave uh, the the princes, I believe it was, the princes or the governors or whoever was was plotting against Jeremiah at this time, the king gave them leave to do with him as they as they would. And they took him and they cast him into a pit. And I want to pick up reading at in Jeremiah chapter 38 at verse 7. I could have also asked you who uh, Ebed-Melech is. Maybe most of you wouldn't have known that either, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ebed-Melech. It begins here in verse 7, Now when Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of of Benjamin, Ebed-Melech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took hence old cast clouts and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. How often have you read that story? Old cast clouts and old rotten rags. (laughs) I'm fascinated by, by this story in a couple of ways, but as we read those few verses, where's the spotlight? Who's the spotlight on in this story, would you say? Well, Jeremiah is kind of the subject of this story. And so certainly he's he's probably in the spotlight. Well, Ebed-Melech, he was a he was an Ethiopian servant that served uh, under the king there in his house. 
He's the one that made it all happen. He's the one that that started with the concern. He saw this this prophet of God in the in the pit, and and it says when they I think it I think it says when they let him down, there was no water. Yeah, it says in in verse six, this pit that they dropped Jeremiah into, there was no water in it, but there was just mire. There was muck. I don't know how deep it was, but Jeremiah was there for for however long, and he was wallowing in this in this muck and mud. A horrible thing. It, this 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 was a chosen man of God, and and this is where we find him. And Ebed Melech knew of that, and he also knew that that there was a shortage of food, and and that Jeremiah was not being fed. And he said, "This man's going to die here." And so he took that thing to the king. He pled his case, and the king said, "Take thirty men." So sure, uh, Ebed Melech he kind of instigated this salvation plan of of the prophet Jeremiah. So I would say Ebed Melech he was kind of in the spotlight. He gets a lot of credit in this story. Well, the king. Who is the king? Who's the king? Zedekiah. Yeah, he he authorized it. He gave him leave. He says, yeah, take him and go. Maybe he was in the spotlight. Well, here, Ebed-Melech took 30 men. He was authorized to take 30 men. That's a little bit of a mystery to me. I mean, I don't know how deep the pit was. I can't imagine Jeremiah was all that that overweight under his circumstances. I, I, I'm not sure why it took 30 men. But the maybe he just it was just overkill. I don't know. But he took 30 men. Well, we never hear much about them. We don't even hear who their names were. We don't know who they were. But they were used. They were used in this story. So some of these things... Um, Maybe we don't think about well, if we would if we would just read this story. Maybe if we'd read it twenty times and not think deeply about it, we might we might just totally overlook the fact that that these thirty men were were used. They were instruments that were used for the the bringing up of this man of God out of this this place and and saving his life uh, for a time. We may not think about those things. Have you thought about the the old pieces of rags? The old cast clouts and the old rotten rags. Have you thought about that? You know, when when the king told Ebed Melech to go and 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 rescue Jeremiah. It says that he went into, where was it, into the treasury or into the king's. So Ebed-Melech took men with him and he went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags. So he went somewhere back in the back corner, back in some closet, and dug out a bunch of worthless rotten rags. And he tied them together. And, and they were used in the bearing Jeremiah up out of his predicament. And, and I read a, a few uh, commentators' thoughts concerning that because it talks about 
a cord as well. And the, the thought was that maybe Jeremiah in his condition, he may have been emaciated. He may have been skin and bones and, and maybe his flesh was, was so sore and, and chaffed and, and, and these ropes that they were, uh, to, to lift him up out of would have, would have cut into his skin and, and would have been painful. So the thoughtfulness of Ebed Melik, the Ethiopian, was that he used these these cloths to to wrap around the cord and, and make a, like a padding under under his arms to help him. Whatever the case was, or whether they were just rotten rags that were tied together and made the cord itself, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But when Jeremiah saw that coming down to his rescue, I have a feeling that Jeremiah was grateful, thankful for for the usefulness of those old cast clouts and old rotten rags. And maybe today you feel like your place in the in 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 the family of God, maybe you feel like all you are is an old cast cloud or a rotten rag. If God is using you uh to to save some helpless soul somewhere, praise God to be willing to be used, you know, and and obviously it, it in the literal sense of this, of this story, those rotten rags, they couldn't argue. They didn't have that choice. But if sometimes we compare ourselves to that useless rag, we can make the choice of whether, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the closet. I'm, I'm not going to be used because I don't live in the spotlight every day. I want to, I want to caution us against that. I have two cautions to 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 give out. One, one to those um, who may feel underused or 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 unneeded and unnoticed. I just would encourage us not to let um, these these emotions or that thought um, fuel a a. a a jealousy or a a covetous feeling within us that because I'm not the I, I'm not of the body. Because maybe I feel like I'm only the small toe on the left foot and not the right eye. I'm 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 nothing. I, I'm just going to stay in the closet. I wanna I wanna challenge us or caution us that perhaps not maybe not necessarily, but perhaps that attitude might come out of a spirit of 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 jealousy over someone or or a covetous uh, spirit or feeling. At the same time, I have a caution for those whom God has called more into what we may view as the spotlight, and because just as just as the 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 rotten rags were needed in in the the rescuing of Jeremiah, even even the king and and even the uh, Ebed Melik. You know he he could have taken glory for that, and and I would just caution us that because we're chosen, because we're chosen by God through the, through the church through our election process or whatever, however it may be. 
because we are given responsibility, may that still be a, 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 have a humbling effect in our, in our lives rather than I'm suddenly now above someone else. I'm, I'm suddenly because I'm, because I'm King Zedekiah, I'm above Ebed Melech. Or because I'm Ebed Melech, I'm above the 30 men. I'm somehow better than them. Or because I'm one of the 30 men, I'm somehow better than the old rotten rags, the old useless rags, seemingly useless rags that are hidden in the closet. That's, I don't believe that's the way the family of God works. And really, I've said in a number of examples, I've said that I really believe that there's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven. I know men around me that, that carry so much heavier uh, responsibility in, in the church setting. Those that, that have burdens um, with the, the care of the church that I know nothing about. And, and it's, it's, my, it's my desire that somehow God would, would, would bless them doubly or, or more than He would bless me in heaven. I don't know God's eternal judgment. I don't know how it'll be, but that's sometimes how I feel. That I, but at the same time, um, I, I lost my train of thought here. At, at the same time, the even though we may somehow have more responsibility, oh, just to be a a, a rag that can be used of God it it can it can be a a great blessing and we're we're all needed we're we are all needed very much and so I hope today there is no one that feels that you're useless in the work of God I think maybe uh I've been thinking this mind as I was studying this um the the song was going through my mind so let's just sing it before we close as well um have to get it together here. I think you probably know it. Most of you know it. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. A little as much when God is in it, Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? Well, it is great. If God is in it, and he will not forsake his own. A little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. When the harvest here is ended, 
and our work on earth is done, I think. When the harvest here is ended and our work on earth is done, God will call home to glory. Welcome home, my child, well done. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name.